Hey, we are uh, talking together about this idea of offensive parenting, and what we uh, mean by that is simply this, that rather than reacting to the behaviors of our kids or waiting until something happens unexpected when they're at junior high and they're going, okay, now what do I do as a parent? Instead of playing defense as a parent, what would it mean for you and I to get ahead of the curve, to get out in front of our kids and go, no, 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 here's a lesson they're going to need and I'm going to help them with it before they ever get there. Here's a place they're probably going to struggle, maybe even disobey. I'm going to be off ahead. I'm going to anticipate the moment before the moment ever shows up. What does it mean to get on the front end of this thing, to go in it offensively as a parent. And so we've just been talking about the absolute transformation this has the potential to do in our families. And guys, I'm just going to say it again. I guarantee you there's going to be some stuff that's going to go way against uh, the prominent culture of the day. You're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. My friends don't parent that way. My neighbors don't. I wasn't. And it's okay. You don't even necessarily have to agree right now. What we're simply asking is, will you try it? Will you just try it while we're in the midst of the conversation the next 40 or so days and see if it doesn't begin to transform your home and the behavior of your kids? Just try offensive parenting and see what happens as a result of it. There's the challenge. Now, here's the thing. Some of you in the room are going to want to go a little deeper. You're going to go, you know, Lynn, you you said this in the sermon, but I'm not sure quite how that works and how do I apply, where do I download? And you are in luck because we've got several venues in which we're going to be downloading this parenting discussion at a deeper level, more personal level. One of them is small groups. We've got a whole bunch of small groups that are getting ready to launch. They're going to be about six weeks long, and all they're going to be doing is downloading this whole parenting discussion. So if you go, boy, I think I'm hearing, I'm just not sure quite how to apply it, or I'd like to hear some other parents and how they did it. You want to join one of those small groups, go there for six weeks, have these conversations, dig a little bit deeper, and you can do that by going out on the patio today. We've also got what we call a small church around here, which is an adult class that happens on that hallway every Sunday. They actually meet at 9 o'clock. It's called um, Building God's Families, and they're going to be doing this parenting series, and they're doing it a week behind. So this morning at 9 o'clock, they were in there talking about the whole isolating, insulating discussion that you and I had last week, and then they are here in this service getting ready for the next week. So it's at 9 o'clock. You could go there. You could dig a little deeper, go a little further, and then make it in here for the next section that we're getting ready to do. So two incredible venues. Be sure to check them out. Now, here's the other thing I want to say out loud. We, in the midst of having this discussion, are having a very male discussion. I mean, we've wrapped it all up in kind of a sports thing. A lot of the words we're using are very blue. Now, ladies, before you get too freaked out about that, let me tell you why we're doing that. First off is this. Um, Men do not do well with a pink conversation. Have you ever watched a man walk into a room, there'd be a huddle of ladies there all talking, what does a man do next? He turns and leaves, okay? And uh, men are horrible at translating pink into blue, but ladies, you are much better at being able to translate blue into pink. So for the sake of your husbands, we're doing this in a very blue conversation partly because I think men struggle to really, really engage in parenting at the level that's going to make the deepest effect in our family. And this isn't because we're bad men. It's not because we're jerks. Here's why. Parenting is really, really hard to get your head around as a man because here's the deal. How do you make a first down as a parent? 
How do you, how do you score points as a parent? I mean, if, if I take my son to Home Depot and on the way home it's 4.30 and I know we really shouldn't because mom's making dinner and I buy my son an ice cream cone, he thinks I'm a pretty cool parent. Do I get points for that or is that a penalty? You know, when I spank my child, is that plus points or is that negative points? Is that out of bounds or is that in bounds? And, and the reality of this thing, it's really hard to keep score in parenting if you're a guy. And so we're changing the conversation, and the hope is as we do this together, uh, suddenly men are going to go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you mean that's a first down in parent? Yeah, that's an absolute first. You mean that's out of bounds? That's out of bounds. You just don't go there as a parent. You mean if I did that, I would score a touchdown as a parent? Yeah, you would score a touchdown. And we're hoping that suddenly because we put it out there that men are going to go, well, dude, I can totally engage in that game. I can be an offensive parent. And so we're talking very, very uh, blue together uh, as a part of this, conver- this conversation. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what we're going to land. If you don't get anything else, get this moment. Uh, you don't have to re- listen to the rest of the sermon. You can just get this moment. Uh, if you're going to parent offensively, you must control the game. Let me just say this again. If you're going to parent, in other words, if the game isn't going to happen to you, if you're going to parent offensively, you have to take control of the field of play. And in order to do that as a parent, there's actually three different roles. There's three different jobs that you're going to take on in the midst of this to take control of the game and parent offensively. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab our Bibles. We're going to just jump right in, and we're going to take a look at these three different roles that you and I are going to experience Uh, as parents in order to take control of the parenting uh, game. So grab your Bibles, go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29. Now, if you're fairly new to your Bible, if you simply stick your thumbs in the middle, uh, you're probably going to find the book of Psalms or this book of Proverbs. Proverbs is just to the right of that book of Psalms. Okay, so Proverbs uh, chapter 29 Proverbs chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 15. Uh, Here's what it says. The rod of correction imparts wisdom. Let me read that again. The rod of correction imparts wisdom to the person on the other end of the rod, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Now, to get perspective, here's what it's talking about. It's written in the context when there was an awful lot of sheep herding going on, and uh, the top of the shepherd's staff, the crook, but the bottom was considered the rod. And as shepherds would take their sheep out to graze, uh, they then had to kind of, in their minds, establish boundaries and go, okay, my sheep are grazing here, but there's a gully over there. Uh, I'm not going to let the sheep get down in the gully. I wouldn't be able to see them. A wolf could come by too easily, pick them off. I've got to keep them out of the gully. And there's some trees over there, and if they got up into the trees, I'd probably lose count. When I started heading home, I'd leave a few behind. And so he, in his mind, would mark borders. He'd mark boundaries of where the sheep were going to be allowed to go. And as the sheep were there grazing, he would walk around as they got too near the borders. He would take the bottom end of his staff, and if a sheep was heading toward the, the goal, he'd just kind of bump it back over. Just let it know, hey, no, 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 that, that, that's a bound. No, no, you're not going any further that way. Okay? Simply establishing the perimeter, the lines. Isn't it interesting that it says 
These lines are what impart wisdom. And without them, mom's going to be absolutely disappointed with how her kids turn out. So what is this role? Are you ready? The first role uh, is the role of the grounds crew. So if you've ever been uh, to a football game, uh, before you ever got there, the grounds crew was out there uh, laying out clear lines. And, and the idea is they have to be crystal clear. They've got to be as straight as possible. You've got to be able to see them from a distance. And what they're simply doing in that moment is simply establishing, look, hey, here's the deal. You get the ball this far, that's a first down. And how powerful is that within your and my family if our kids knew what a first down in the Williams home was? And, and then there's the sideline that says, look, no, 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 whoa, whoa, you go over there, you do that, you behave that way, we're going to stop the play, we're going to bring the ball back to the center of the field, we're going to start another play. You get past this line, that's a touchdown. That's when the Williams family wins. When you get across this line, when you do that in our home, that is totally a touchdown. Go that way, it's a penalty. This way is a win. And the first job that you and I have is, is to be the grounds crew. Now, here's a couple principles you need to know as you're marking the field for your family. And the first is this. You have to absolutely refuse to play street ball. How, how many of you remember playing street ball, guys? You know, you get a couple guys together and say, hey, we'll play football. Yeah, let's play football. You go, okay, well, where's the out of bounds? So they go, well, hey, you know, take my T-shirt. And so, you know, Tom would take off his T-shirt and they'd toss it down on the ground. And someone else would say, well, hey, I got a soda, soda can and, you know, that can be the out of bounds over here on this side. Well, you know what happens, right? Pretty soon Tom's getting all itchy and so he throws his shirt back on and uh, someone goes over and drinks the soda can. It's empty and they toss it to the side and suddenly there's the touchdown play. And someone's screaming, no, 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 they were out of bounds. And you go, no, no, they were in the t-shirt used to be right here. And suddenly the great game, the, the game everybody was enjoying, breaks into chaos because the lines aren't clear. And if you stop and think about it, think about it, every good game you've watched, the grounds crew was out there laying the best lines they could possibly lay that don't change in the middle of the game. Matter of fact, I was watching a preseason game uh, just last night, and a guy made a circus catch. He uh, twists in the air, catches the ball as he's coming down. His knee brushes against the grass. And now they're back in this thing back and forth on instant replay to figure out if his knee brushed the grass before the edge of the line. Can you imagine if the line had been a t-shirt? And I'm just telling you this absolutely invaluable. That you realize one of the reasons your kids are discouraged? Your lines are t-shirts. The reality, they aren't marked clearly. They're, they're not sure exactly where they are from any given day to day. Uh, they, they couldn't tell you for sure what are the rules in the Williams family. Because you're playing street ball in your parenting. Second thing you need to know is this. You and your spouse absolutely have to agree on the lines. You have to agree. And this is tough, and here's why this is tough. Because chances are, one of you is stricter, and one of you is more lenient. And so you're sitting there, and you argue about where should the lines be, and how many lines should we have, and, and you don't get to the point where you actually agree, you just get to the point where you're tired of arguing. 
And so now here comes the moment and your child crosses the line. They go out of bounds and one of you is going, whoa, that's a foul, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you're going, really? I'm not, I'm not sure. I didn't even really want the line there in the first place and I don't know. No, that's a line! You realize, you realize this causes absolute confusion for your child. And here's what you just need to know. It is not so important that you put the lines in the perfect place. You can have a lot of fun on a crooked field as long as everybody knows where the lines are. And this isn't, guys, this isn't about getting the lines perfect the first time. And, and the season is a long season. Raising kids isn't going to happen this month. And, and if at some point you want to come back and renegotiate and go, look, I, you know, I, I don't think that line's working for our family and I, I wish we could move it a little, you can do that. It's just in the game. In the game, don't you dare try to argue about moving the lines. You realize what happens in that moment. Here's Tommy, and he's, he's clearly gone outside the line, and, and, and now someone's called the penalty, and, and, and then someone else comes to intervene, and, oh, I, you know, I don't know, and I didn't think the line should have been there in the first place, and now there's, why are you going on? You realize that Tommy loves this moment. He's going, they have totally forgotten about what I did. Matter of fact, he's sitting on the side going, excellent. <laughs> and while you continue to argue about the line and its placement and where it is and should we have that line in our house or not, he's back in his room. You think he's playing video games. He's not playing video games. He has called all the neighbor kids over. They are now huddled in his room giving each other high fives and going, excellent. You cannot move the lines in the middle of the game. You've got to agree beforehand and then enforce the lines. And then uh, the final thing on the grounds crew is simply this. You've got to be willing to leave some room to play on the field. See, I get it. I, I guarantee you there's some parents in this room that are going, no, 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 I'm like, I'm like the line guy. I mean, here's, I've, got, I've got so many lines in our home. I mean, I, I have, we've made a rule about everything. You realize you do that. You make a rule about everything. And, and I know you think, hey, uh, I, I've got so many rules, my kids can't help but be a good kid. Just the opposite is true. You've got so many rules, your kid cannot help but break them. They can't wake up in the morning without breaking one of your rules. And if you've ever played on a field that was too small, you know it's a horrible game. And I'm just going to say to you, you overline the field, you will leave your kids no option but to rebel. Matter of fact, Scripture even talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6, when it simply says this, fathers, 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 be really, really careful that you do not exasperate your kids. Don't, don't make this thing so hard with so many rules and so many lines that they have no option left but to shake their fist back at you. Instead, it says, instead training them in the ways of God. Isn't that interesting? It's saying, hey, training them up in the things of God is different than having a whole bunch of lines. And here's what you need to know. When you go to make the lines, these are the only ones you have to have. When, when the Bible says, hey, do not lie, show respect to your parents, you will not steal. 
Those are the immutable lines. That every line after that that you put down is really a preference. What time is curfew going to be? What time do the kids go to bed at night? How long can your son grow his hair? Are you going to let your kids get tattoos? And, and the answer, you realize those are all preferences. And guys, it's okay. It's okay for you to pray. That's part of parenting is that you get to bring some of your own lines to the game. You just got to be careful. You don't put so many lines on the field that your children have no option but to rebel because you've left no room to play the game. So here's my question. First role as a parent. Your kids know the lines. Are they clearly marked? Do they know that to be part of the Wilson family, part of the Jeffersons, these are the rules. This is what it means to score a first down in our home. This is a touchdown in the Jefferson family, and this is a penalty in the Smith home. Do your kids know the lines, and do you and your spouse support the lines? Second role, grab your Bibles again. Proverbs chapter 13, so you're just going to go to the left in the book of Proverbs where you're at. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Here's what it says. He who spares the rod hates his son. And he who loves him is careful, full of care. This is a big deal to discipline him. You get what it says? It says, you know, it, the most unloving thing you can do to your child is fail to discipline. And, and this is that moment in which he's saying, hey, there's moments when you go out to the sheep and the sheep's heading toward the ravine and you try to gently nudge them back and they're not doing it and suddenly you go give them a little bit of encouragement. Uh, you apply the hand of knowledge to the seat of understanding. Uh, you, you get that children, that children, their brains are uh, a little low of center when they are first born, and then they move up eventually. But they're, hand of knowledge, seat of wisdom. So, here's what I'm saying. If you and I fail to discipline, Scripture says you realize you actually hate your child. That, that a true parent, a loving parent, is actually careful, and it means fully care, to be sure to bring discipline in life. And, and this uh, second role for you and I is the role of the referee, which means simply this. It is your and my job, when we see a foul, to call a foul. So when you see that moment in which your child crosses, goes out of bounds, has a penalty, that you throw the flag and enforce the penalty. It's the job of a referee. Can you imagine a referee who didn't throw the flag and didn't enforce the penalty? Imagine this. Imagine you're at a Cardinals game, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald uh, is playing. And for you ladies who don't know, uh, that's the one good player we have on our team. So imagine you're there, and uh, a play is over, and uh, someone from the other team runs up to Larry Fitzgerald, grabs him by the face mask, yanks his head back and forth, throws him on the ground, and the referees don't call a penalty. What would you be doing? 
you'd be screaming at the top of your lungs in Christian love, but you'd be screaming, <laughs> call the foul, dude. How do you miss that? The booze and the go on for a little while, and it's a little bit further in the game. There is a blatant, there is a blatant pass interference on Larry Fitzgerald against him. And in that moment, you see the ref, and the ref is like just transfixed. He sees every bit of it, and you're waiting, you're waiting. <laughs> and then imagine that the ref walks over to the player on the other team, the person who broke, and says, you know, that's a no-no. <laughs> we're, we're not supposed to do that on the field. One, two, three. Just you wait till the other ref gets over here. You get that is horrible parenting. Throw the flag! Okay, just throw the flag. It's, it's what you're supposed to do. It's part of the job. When you see the penalty... Throw the flag. You know why we don't do this. Because we don't want our kids to be upset with us. And we, we want them to like us. And, and we want to be our kids' friends. Hey, guys, can I just say something? Your kids are going to have hundreds of friends. But only two parents. And when did it become a higher calling to be a friend than to be a parent. Throw the flag. Hey guys, I'm just going to suggest to you, if grown men being paid millions of dollars to play a child's game need referees, <laughs> so does your four-year-old. Throw the flag. And guys, here's what you need to know. When you see the penalty, you have to throw the flag when you see it. You can't go, oh. <laughs> when you see the penalty, you have to throw the flag. You ready? The first time. And every time you see the penalty. Because if you don't, if you don't, then your children will begin to play the classic children's game, poke the bear. Have you heard of this game? So you wait till springtime when the bears are ending their hibernation, and then you line up outside the cave and you go in and you poke the bear, and then you run out as quick as you can. And then it's the next kid's turn. Poke the bear. And the object of the game is to see when the bear eat, wakes up and eats the kid. That's the object of the game. Which kid gets eaten? And here's the, you never know which time the bear is going to wake up. Which makes it all the more fun. How often in our parenting do we play poke the bear with our kids? And see, here's what happened yesterday. Yesterday, they broke the rules, we saw the penalty, and we just went, oh. And then they ran out of the cave. And a few minutes later, they came in and they broke the rules and they did exactly what we told them. And we're like, oh, really, really? And they ran out of the cave. And yesterday, it took them 12 pokes to wake up the bear. But after 12 pokes, 
and the bear came out and ate one of the kids. That's <laughs> yesterday. Today, they're playing poke, poke the bear again. And so now they're sneaking in the cave and poking the bear and running out. And today, you're more fed up than you were yesterday. So now it takes three pokes. And the bear, and eats the kid. And you realize how devastatingly confusing this is for the kid. Because they're going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yesterday it took 12 pokes. Today it took three. What's wrong? And you get in this moment, what you're actually doing is you are teaching your children that obedience and behavior is all about seeing how many times you can get away with disobedience before the bear wakes up. Hey, ratchet that forward. Wait till they have to go live in society and live in culture, and they decide that the laws of the land are a poke the bear game. And let's see how many laws and how many rules I can break before the bear wakes up. Wait till they take that to their job. And they say, no, I know the boss said, and I know the review is about, but I'm just going to play poke the bear. I'm going to see how much I can get away with. That's the game, right? And the only way that you win at poke the bear is don't play, which means simply this. The first time you see the penalty, you immediately come out of the cave. Because let's just be honest. Think about this for a second. When you and I wait till the 13th time, and when the bear finally wakes up, isn't it the truth that that's when you and I do our worst parenting? Because by the time the bear wakes up on the 13th poke, you and I are frustrated out of our heads. And in that moment, we inflict, you ready? Not discipline, we inflict punishment. Because we're getting even with our child for the 13 other times they irritated us. How much more powerful for the bear to come out of the cave the first time and say, no, we're not playing poke the bear. And it leaves you free from all the emotion, all the anger, all the frustration, and allows you in that moment to be a parent and not a bear. And I know, I know, I know. Some of you going, Lynn, whoa, are you kidding me? I mean, if I did that, if I started tomorrow and I said, look, the first time I see a penalty, I'm going to grab the flag and I'm going to throw it. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I, you, I would do that 300 times before lunch. And guys, I'm just going to say, okay, remember we said we we're going to be honest. If that's your fear, if that's really what's going through your heart and your mind right now, you, you know why? Because you've been playing poke the bear. That's why your kids are set to disobey you 300 times before lunch. They're trying to figure out how many times they can get away with it before the bear wakes up. And the second you establish that, hey, the bear wakes up the first time, every time, you watch. In a couple days, it'll, it'll be 100 times before lunch. And a couple days after that, it'll be 20 times before lunch. But before we get done with the series, you may not even be playing the game anymore. Second thing, second thing about being a ref, save the biggest penalties for attitude penalties. Let me say that again. Save your biggest penalties for attitude. Think about this. Even in professional football, worst penalty you can get, personal foul. Personal foul. And why do they call it personal foul? You know, what is a personal foul? I mean, you know, and the reason they, they do that is because 
you're not sure, a personal foul, but always has something to do with attitude. You know, I got mad and I slugged the guy in the face. I got mad, I ripped his helmet off. I got mad, I kicked him when he was on the ground. It's a personal foul, and it all has to do with bad attitude. And the biggest penalties, getting thrown out of the game, all have to do with attitude. Save your biggest penalties for attitude. See if this helps. So Josh is about seven or eight, and I come home one day from work, and Lisa says to me, Lynn, uh, can you do something with your son? I've been telling him all day to go clean his room, and he still hasn't done it. And uh, I said, okay. Uh, and so I go to Josh, and he's in playing video games, and I go, look, dude, right now, put down the controller, get up off your rear end, get to your room, and clean your room like your mom's been telling you to do all day long. But dad, I'm not at, I don't care that you're not at a save point. Go. And Josh gets up. Slams his door. I can hear him in the room. Now in the moment, I'm thinking to myself, okay, like I, I get like best dad in the world award. I'm clearly a better parent than Lisa. I got him to do it. And then it occurred to me, I am parenting to win now, and I am losing then. See, I think, I think because I won the battle and I got Josh to go clean his room, I think that I just parented. So I walked back to Josh's door, and I, I knocked on the door, and I said, hey, you know what, son? Come out here. And I said, Look, here's the deal. I know exactly what you were doing in that room. You were saying to yourself, my dad's an idiot. My dad's a jerk. Didn't even let me save my game. And I said, look, we're just not going to obey with attitude around here. So here's what you get to do. Uh, we're going to start this again. I need you to go clean your room. And the proper response is, yes, sir. And I said, good. Now clean your room happily. <laughs> Save your biggest fouls for attitude. Here's, here's what I knew. That moment wasn't the last moment Josh was going to get asked to clean his room. Someday he was going to have a boss who was going to ask him to do something he didn't like. Someday he was going to be frustrated with something his wife said. And the last thing I needed him to do was to stomp off in the room thinking about what a jerk they were. Wait till God gets you frustrated. And you go off to clean your room with a bad attitude. Save your biggest penalties for attitude. So here's my question. Hmm. Are you your children's friend, or are you their parent? Because if you're their parent, you're throwing the flag and enforcing the penalty. Who cares if your kids like you? Or, your kids are not supposed to like you till they're 70. <laughs> if your kids like you, you've got a problem. Okay. Third rule. Third rule, 
Proverbs chapter 22. It's going to be just a little bit to the right in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 22. Probably one of the most misused, misquoted verses in all of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 22, starting in uh, verse 6. Here's what it says. Train, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, guys, here's what you need to know. It's simply saying this, that one of the most important moments, one of the most significant moments, matter of fact, the moment in parenting is this training moment. See, here's the deal. You, you can be a great linesman, you can be a great referee, and you're going to win a lot of battles, but you can lose your child. This is, this is the payoff moment in parenting. It is that training moment. And when you and I train, we are most like a coach. See, here's the deal. I guarantee you, your kid's going to fumble the ball. I guarantee you, they're going to drop the pass. There's going to be moments that that you're going to go, how in the world did you decide to go out of bounds there? They're going to get a flag thrown on them. And guys, I'm just telling you, if you stop parenting when that child runs to the sidelines and you're simply chewing them out and going, what in the world? lost the first out. The greatest moments of parenting happen in the film room. See, it's, it's after the game is over, and when you're going back and saying, okay, let me tell you what happened there. Let me tell you how not to drop the ball next time. Let me tell you how to run that pattern and break it the right way so that when the quarterback throws the pass, you'll be in the right place. Let's get better for this. See, the problem with parenting and the win of parenting is not that my kid doesn't make mistakes. It's that when my kid makes mistakes, I coach him up. And they're better for having had me as a parent. And the reality is, guys, here's what you need to get. Everything you've done till now, laying out the clear lines, describing first downs, what does it mean to go out of bounds and bring the ball, all the throwing the penalty flags and taking the ball back, all of that has led to this moment for this singular purpose. Are you ready? That in the midst of that moment, your child's heart would be soft enough to hear you when you coach. This is the crown jewel of parenting. So what does that look like? My son is about six and uh, we're living in Southern California. And uh, all of our houses, if you've ever been in Southern, there is no land, so everybody lives like on top of each. You think our houses are close here. I mean, they are close there. And uh, one day, my neighbor, uh, who happened to be the father of a little boy that my son played with all the time, uh, came to my door, rang the doorbell. As I answered the door, he was standing there with a two-pound sledgehammer in his hand, not the way you want to be greeted at the door. And uh, he said, "Uh, does this look familiar at all? And I said, well, it looks similar to one that I own. He said, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your son Joshua and my son decided to play war on my fence. Now, here's what you got to understand. Uh, because our houses were all close together, everybody had these little pony walls going down the property line. They were just about two or three feet high, but it was just kind of way of saying, you know, these. And then 
we'd put ornamental brick all along the top. My son and his son had gotten my sledgehammer and had gone along the top of that wall, beating off all the brick along the top of that wall for about a 16-foot spread. So I got to Josh, and we called the foul, and I enforced the penalty. <clears throat> he got to go out on his 16th birthday. But, uh, no. But in the midst of the moment, I knew I had a moment to coach. And so I said to Josh, I said, hey, um, do you understand why I threw the flag? And do you understand why you're grounded right now? Do you, do you get the moment and why that was a big deal? And, and what is it that you were supposed to learn and you were supposed to know? And my six-year-old boy looked at, back at me and he said, that I am supposed to respect my neighbor's property. I said, Josh, that's, that's a great lesson. That's, that's a good thing for you to learn. Because here's what you need to know, son. This isn't just about walls. This is going to come up a hundred more times in your life. It's going to come up when you pull your car into a parking spot at the grocery store and you open the door and ding the guy's door next to you. It's, it's going to show up when you're at work one day and you decide whether or not to go snooping in someone else's desk. It, 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 I'm just, Josh, this principle is going to show up a hundred more times in your life. But I, I think there's something else to be learned right now. And it's simply this, Josh. Real men, real men clean up their messes. And if I'd been talking to my daughter, I would have said, real women clean up their messes. And, and it's not that we're never going to make a mistake, Joshua. It's just that when you make a mistake, what you do next is going to define you and real men clean up their messes and pay for their mistakes. And so, Josh, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to get allowance for a while because you're going to be saving up uh, for bricks. And I'm, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of odd jobs around the house, and you're going to earn some money uh, for bricks. And sure enough, three weeks later, <laughs> Joshua was standing in the front yard with my neighbor, handing him the bricks he had paid for as my neighbor mudded them back along the top of the fence. Because, 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 you ready? Real men clean up their messes. And I'm just going to tell you that that coaching moment was more important than $15 worth of bricks. And the crowning point of you parenting your child and being office and getting them ready for what's coming next is the moments in which you coach. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to give you homework. We said we were going to do this. We're going to give you homework. Here's what I want you to do. And maybe as soon as even having lunch today, I want you to sit down with your spouse, and here's the two questions that I want you to ask your spouse. Are the lines in our family clear, and are we both enforcing them? In other words, are the lines there? Could our kids tell us what the rules are in the Wilson family and the Johnson? I mean, have we put them down? Does everybody know them and understand them? Secondly, have we been throwing the flag and enforcing the penalties? Are we too busy kind of looking the other way because it's too much work or we want to be… Have we been throwing the flags when we see the penalty and enforcing the penalty? That's the… Two things. And then, you ready? In this week, could you look for at least one coaching moment with your children? 
One moment in which you say, hey, this is bigger than whether or not you carried out the trash, and this is bigger than whether or not you talked back to your mom. Let's talk about how this changes you and your character and how you're going to need this a hundred more times before you're done. And what if, what if this week we spent some time coaching our children up? Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come before you. And God, we're going to say this out loud. This, this parenting thing sometimes just seems a little bit bigger and a little bit more complicated than we're prepared. And yet, God, when you think about it, it actually comes down to some pretty simple principles. And so, God, I'm just going to ask, give us courage. Give us courage to stop reacting and playing defense as parents and to get out in front of our children and start playing offense. Help us to put clear lines within our family, clear expectations for the Wilsons. Give us the courage to not look away and instead to call the foul when we see it and, and enforce the penalty. But God, maybe, maybe more than all of it, help us to coach our children up. Help us to take those soft-hearted moments and speak life and wisdom into them. Help us to take control of the field. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.